The All Eyes Visual Hall VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day. The first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Exactly. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Dr. Daniel Montenegro. In this episode, we continue our discussion on the treatment of viral eye disease. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell. Also, please leave comments. Be sure to watch our full-length documentary, Open Your Eyes, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube movies and shows. Now, yes. let's talk. It is very confusing So for everyone to follow. So we started off with the epithelium. We started off with infectious the infection of the epithelium. Now we're going to still stay with the epithelium, but it's not infectious anymore. It's it's a, it's an immune uh, neurotrophic keratitis. Uh, talk about that. Uh, what did how we, do we diagnose it, and how is that treated? So, what what is neurotrophic keratitis? So neurotroph neurotrophic keratitis is a patient whose eye does not feel what you see on the exam. So a patient has a ulcer in their cornea and they come in with loss of vision, decreased vision, and they have a central ulcer in their cornea. And an ulcer by definition means that the stroma, the middle layer of that cornea, the thickest layer of the cornea is starting to get thin. It's starting to get thin and they don't feel anything. They don't have any pain. That's called neurotrophic keratitis. Neurotrophic keratitis is more common in herpes zoster infections. Patients that had a rash on their face, patients that had a rash on their forehead or their nose or their cheek, and they have vesicles around the eye, and they might also have a, a dendrite under cornea, that's herpes zoster. That's different than herpes simplex keratitis. They have herpes zoster and possibly herpes zoster ophthalmicus. Those are the patients that are at higher risk of having neurotrophic keratitis, where they don't feel pain in your eye. And that's a bad thing. 
that's the bad thing because if they don't feel pain then the eye doesn't heal you need that that pain comes from the nerves and you need those corneal nerves for proper healing so these patients that have these non-healing ulcers what are we doing with them now are we putting them on oxivite or or do you have a specific strategy for them so it all depends on on how bad your neurotrophic disease is um, there's a there's the Mackey classification for neurotrophic keratitis. The Mackey classification is very useful, and I recommend all optometrists and all ophthalmologists to be very familiar with the Mackey classification for neurotrophic keratitis. So, Mackey classification stage one neurotrophic keratitis. You have an epitheliopathy. A patient can have a dendrite which is by definition an epitheliopathy, a dendrite or a non-healing epithelial defect. That's Mackey stage one. Mackey stage two is more severe. Now you have a, an, a large epithelial defect. It's no longer a dendrite, it's now a large epithelial defect with rolled edges. Whenever you see rolled edges around an epithelial defect, that's very characteristic for a neurotrophic epithelial defect. That's stage two. In stage two, the stroma is not ulcerated. There's no corneal ulceration, no stromal ulceration. In the Mackey stage three, Mackey stage three phase, you now have an epithelial defect and you have stromal thinning or ulceration. So in Mackey stage one, where it's just epithelial disease, you can treat these patients with aggressive preservative-free artificial tear lubrication every one to two hours, ointments at bedtime. Uh, you can put punctal plugs. Punctal plugs are little temporary or permanent plugs on the puncta that help tears stay longer over the eye. Or you can start serum tears. You can draw, the patient can have blood drawn from their vein and they can have artificial tears or serum tears made from their blood and that has growth factors that promote healing. That can be used in early neurotrophic keratitis. When you're in later stages, stage two or stage three, now you start getting into other more aggressive treatments like amniotic membranes. Amniotic membranes can be put on the surface of the eye. An example of that is a Procara, a Procara amniotic membrane ring. Or you can also start these patients on Oxervate which is human nerve growth factor that was a FDA approved and developed by Pompe Pharmaceuticals. Um, Oxervate Senegermin uh, is very effective uh, in the treatment of neurotrophic keratitis. Let's, let's move to this, the stroma. And first let's talk about the infectious uh, disease of the stroma, uh, necrotizing uh, stromal keratitis. That's the one that we're all scared to death of. Talk yes. to us about that and how do we pick that up early? And God, that's a, that's luckily it's not that common. But I mean, yeah. maybe it might be common for somebody like you because everybody refers to you, but for the average optometrist out there, it's not that common. So necrotizing keratitis, it looks like a bacterial ulcer. You essentially have a thinning of that stroma and you're starting to have degradation um, of the stroma. So you have necrotizing keratitis and you have non-necrotizing keratitis. Both necrotizing, necrotizing and non-necrotizing 
affect the middle layer of the cornea, the stroma. And in necrotizing keratitis, it's believed to have live virus. So this is live herpes virus that's causing degradation of the corneal collagen in the stroma and causing a lot of intense inflammation. So because it's an immune-mediated mechanism, it's immune-mediated, that's treated with aggressive, with topical steroids carry. So when it's necrotizing keratitis and the cornea is getting thin, we know it's not bacteria, it's from herpes virus. That's caused by the virus, in, by the immune system, the immune inflammation, this immune-mediated damage. So we treat that with steroids. However, however, we typically treat with steroids and antiviral because if we just, we just treat with steroids alone, what's gonna happen? We have a higher likelihood of reactivating the virus if we're only treating with steroids. That's why we often treat them with steroids and antivirals. So we cover both things. And are we using the standard dose of the antivirals for herpes simplex or are we giving the Zasta dose? So it depends. You can have necrotizing keratitis in herpes in a setting in a in the setting of herpes simplex or the setting of herpes zoster. Now, if you're dealing with herpes zoster, a patient had that classic vesicular rash on their face, you're going to give them the, the herpes zoster dose, which is always double of what the herpes simplex dose is. It's always double the dose. If you have a patient with herpes simplex keratitis and they start to, de to develop um, ulceration of their stroma, necrotizing keratitis, you're having more severe disease, you might bump up to dose to the, you might double the dose or bump it up, treat a little bit more aggressively. And nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna blame you for, for that. I got a question for you. Why is in Zasta, why is the dose double of what it is in Simplex? The dose is double with herpes zoster because the, the virus itself is different. And, and we're going with this dose for herpes simplex based on the HEADS study. We've always known that herpes zoster, um, it's more, hurt in the setting of herpes zoster ophthalmicus, there's more tissues affected. There's more tissues affected. It's a more aggressive virus and it requires more dosage. Because it's more of a systemic disease rather than a localized disease. It's more systemic. It can affect more, more tissues. Interesting. Thank you for that. So now let's talk about we're still in the stroma, but now something that's pretty common, uh, a stromal inter, uh, interstitial stromal keratitis, which is non-infectious, which, which we see a lot. And a lot of times doctors are confused and the patient winds up going to a lot of different doctors. And when in doubt, it turns out many times to be herpes. If you could talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, you're going off, if, if you see a patient that's brand new to you and they have interstitial infiltrates. So it's an interstitial keratitis. The infiltrates are in the middle layer of the cornea. There's a couple of things that could cause that. You know, you have, you know, you have your bacterial infections that can cause similar appearance in the periphery. But if you have infiltrates in the center of the cornea, um, this can be from adenovirus. You can have subepithelial infiltrates after an adenovirus infection. But in the setting of herpes simplex or her herpes zoster, interstitial keratitis is caused by inflammation 
um, not so much live virus as in necrotizing. It's inflammation in the middle layer of the cornea, and you can treat these uh, with topical steroids. And is this treated with topical steroids and you cover it with antivirals? So you can treat with, with your uh, topical steroid alone. You can treat with your topical steroid alone, but then always be on the lookout for live virus activation. So if you only treat inflammation, you will sometimes have a reactivation of that live virus if you're only treating with steroids. But that's why most often we treat with both antiviral and steroids. Now, typically in Florida where you are, are you using Valtrex or using a Cyclovir or is it really just based on insurance? If the patient is covered with both, will you be more likely to use Valtrex? Both are covered by, both are available generic now, Carrie. So you can, um, I think for most patients, uh, you know, you should be able to prescribe Valcyclovir or Valtrex because Valtrex is now available as Valcyclovir generic. So you should not be having any major issues as far as coverage, and it should be it should be affordable. And it's just easier because it's three times a day rather than five times a day. Yes, the dosing is easier. You know, uh, patients are more likely to be uh, more compliant, and it's just as effective as acyclovir. So let's move on to endothelial disease, discoform keratitis. Talk to us about that, and what do we what what does that look like? So endothelial. A disciform keratitis is a very unique kind of uh, herpes keratitis. It's when the virus itself has live, the virus has infected the endothelial cells uh, in the inner layer of the cornea. So it's an endothelitis. And what you'll see is an inflammatory plaque, an inflammatory plaque in the endothelium. So you'll see localized corneal edema. We know that when endothelial cells are having a hard time or they're infected, what happens is that their water pumping capacity is reduced and they'll have swelling and you know localized swelling of the cornea. And this could be to an active infection or it could be an immune response. Is that correct? That's correct. It can be both. It can be both. So we typically treat endothelitis or disiform keratitis with both um, steroids to decrease the immune reaction and also uh, antiviral to decrease any possible live viral activity that, may, that might be causing this. And are, are we using, do you ever use uh, viroptic anymore, trifluoridine, or is that something that you, you just, if you're gonna to use topical, you're gonna to use, with, go to the- Zergan, yeah. If Zergan I have to use gel. topical, I'll go with Zergan gel every time, no question. I think some of the more, um, some people still use trifluoridine, you know, is what they're used to using, but, in my, in my own experience, I find that Zergan works well when needed. But I think it's interesting is acyclovir is actually topical in, uh, in Europe, but not in the United States or outside the United quite, States. I didn't know that. We have trifluoridine and, uh, and gancyclovir, which is Zergan, yeah, gancyclovir, which by the way, gancyclovir is also used to treat other atypical viral infections you know, if a patient has a cytomegalovirus uh, disease in the cornea or inflammation, gancyclovir is what's used to treat that. Now, what is the, I want to go back to primary herpes for just a second with children. What's the oral syrup dose that is typically used? Is that something that you would know offhand or you would have to work with a pharmacist on something? I would, like work, with a, I would work with a pharmacist to do the conversion. 
or, or pedi or the pediatrician or something. Yes. And uh, so let's talk about gencyclovir, how that's used and side effects, if you could talk about that. So we kind of went through all the different types of uh, herpes infections, epithelial, stromal, endothelium. We went through how to treat each one of them. So I just want to kind of, even if you've repeat, even just to repeat, because it's very confusing. So, uh, uh, so Zergan is used five times a day. Uh, for how long and what kind of side effects in your experience for someone that does a lot of this or you hardly ever see side effects? Zergan is very well tolerated and Zergan can be dosed at you know four to six times a day in the affected eye for about 10 to 14 days. And you'll use it more in the setting of epithelial disease if a patient has limited epithelial disease such as a dendrite or even a dendrite that's developing into a small geographic ulcer. So what you'll see in epithelial disease is a dendrite, but then if you have many different dendrites, those dendrites can, call, can coalesce. When a dendrite coalesces with others, it'll form a geographic uh, defect, a geographic epithelial defect. In that setting, you can use an oral antiviral or you can use Zergan. Now, so you can use either one. No, they're, both somebody... as, they're both equally effective. So recurrence, you've had herpes, unfortunately a patient had it. Recurrence is pretty high. That somebody had it once, they're gonna get it again. Yes. Uh, so now people are being put on prophylactic uh, medication. You know, Correct. whether it's Valtrex or acyclovir. Is that something you typically do? And if you do do it, what is the prophylactic dose that you use? So if a patient has epithelial disease, this, this is very important. Epithelial disease, even if you don't treat epithelial disease in an adult, most of the time, epithelial disease is self-limiting. So if you, if you did nothing, more likely than not, it's going to resolve. But we still treat to, to lower the duration, and you don't want anyone left untreated, honestly. So epithelial disease, you will treat, if it's herpes simplex, with uh, acyclovir or valcyclovir for about 10 to 14 days, plus or minus topical Zergan, plus or minus 10 to 14 days. Once you treat them, they get better. Their cornea clears. They don't need a prophylactic dose. They don't need to stay on the Zergan or sorry, the valcyclovir or the acyclovir long-term for the rest of their life. If a patient has stromal disease, stromal disease or endothelial disease, or trabeculitis, high intraocular pressure, but let's, let's stick with stromal disease. You treat them for 10 to 14 days with the oral antiviral and possibly steroids. Once it resolves, they have a higher risk of about 10% of having a reactivation over time. So these are the patients that are more likely to reactivate, the patients with stromal disease. So we tell them, they should be on prophylactic, a prophylactic dose of acyclovir or valcyclovir for at least one year, for at least one year. And the reason is, is that you want to prevent stromal disease, which is, which has a, a more likelihood to cause vision loss. And what we're trying to prevent here is vision loss from herpes virus, which is the most common cause of, you know, infectious related corneal blindness in the world. And what would it, if you're going to do a prophylactic dose, what would it, what would it be? It would be a cyclovir 
in the case in the setting of herpes simplex, in the setting of herpes simplex, it would be acyclovir 400 milligrams twice a day, or valcyclovir 500 milligrams um, once a day. The All Eyes Visual VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. MacuHealth, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Exactly. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. From your experience, patients that have been on prophylactic dose, how have they done? They do great. The medication is very well tolerated. Um, it's metabolized by the kidney, acyclovir. So you do have to tell them to drink a lot of water. And if a patient has any stage of, sorry, if a patient has any stage of kidney disease, diabetics, hypertensive patients, if they have any stage of kidney disease, um, they should definitely consult or you know consult with their nephrologist or primary care doctor and let them know that they're starting this medication because it can cause an increase in their um, labs and decrease in, uh, decrease in their overall kidney function, meaning it can worsen your kidney disease. And, and the same thing with uh, type 2 genital herpes. A lot of, I've seen patients that have been on prophylactic doses for years. So yes. as they're on it for years, we have to, we, it, that's something that they have to worry about or be concerned about of having kidney or, or liver disease. Yes, definitely. I mean, kidney disease more so in, uh, when, with acyclovir. Um, valcyclovir affects kidney function less, but there is a renal adjusted dose for these medications, by the way. But that's something that their nephrologist or primary care doctor might help you um, determine. And are there any other points from the head study? The head study shows that we could use uh, that it was it was safe to use steroids, and that we could we could either use topical or oral medication. How about from heads two? Is there anything from there that we've learned that maybe that you didn't talk about that that uh, the audience should know about? From the heads two the heads two study, uh, that one I don't recall right now carry at the top of my head. Okay, yeah, so that was really the, that was prophylactic. I mean, you just kind of talked about that, that that prophylactic is important. How about limb, a limbitis, uh, the limbus being inflamed? So a limbitis is a reaction of the, of the limbus itself. You can have injection of the limbal stem cells and it's just a localized inflammation of the limbus. Um, you might see a little bit of panis, corneal neovascularization in the setting of a limbitis. Now let's talk about zoster or chickenpox. Uh, you talked a little bit about it. Uh, why are people? Why do people get zoster? Uh, they've gotten the vaccine. 
most of the people, a lot of people have gotten the, the at childhood, they got, they got the vaccine. Now, me personally, I had chickenpox as a kid. I'm older than you are. So I, that was before the chickenpox vaccine. Uh, but a lot of people have gotten the vaccine, but still get, still get, uh, still get uh, uh, shingles. Yeah, I mean, uh, the prevalence of, of shingles, which is uh, infection of, um, in the city, we'll, we'll focus on herpes zoster, which is uh, the herpes zoster, the trigeminal ganglion infection. Um, we have three divisions of the trigeminal ganglion, one, two, and three. So when herpes zoster uh, is activated, this is an infection and a reactivation of this virus in our trigeminal ganglion, and it can cause a vesicular reaction in the first or second division of the trigeminal nerve, which causes a characteristic unilateral rash on the left or right side of the face. It's always unilateral, and it'll respect the midline of the face. That's how you know that this is herpes zoster. Another condition on the differential if let's say this vesicular rash does not affect, does not respect the midline, now you might be looking at another uh, bacterial infection like an erysipelas infection, because those will not respect that midline of the face. So herpes zoster is very prevalent. You know, there is a very effective vaccination that will protect adults over the age of 50 from herpes zoster. And we're recommending everyone uh, especially patients that are immunocompromised over the age of 50, to go get their um, dose of the herpes zoster uh, Shingrix vaccine. And which has been shown to be very effective. It really re reduces the incidence of herpes zoster in adults. Something that's confusing is that children have gotten the, the zoster vaccine. So why do they get why do they get the reactivation of uh, and, get, so and get shingles? Our immune system wane. Our immune system is reduced as we age. So our immunity goes down gradually as we all age. So that's why even though we were vaccinated when we were children, now as adults, our immunity goes down and we can have a reactivation of this virus. So is it a reactivation of the live virus that was put into us by the vaccine? Uh, because these people never had never had uh, chicken pox. So now they're getting shingles. So where did it come from? That's my question. And I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that. Yeah, well, what, what I do know is I'm not <laughs> sure about that either, but I do know that the vaccination is there. And we're seeing, Carrie, you know, what's your estimate? I mean, I'll ask you a question. What percentage of Americans do you think are getting the, the vaccine for shingles? Uh, I would say about 70 70 percent yes is it that high or no getting the vaccination is it's actually less than 10 percent oh geez yeah less than 10 percent of americans are getting their ching the shingles vaccine oh okay and that was shown that was shown in a very nice study uh, published in ophthalmology and it showed that the vaccine was effective at reducing the incidence of herpes zoster ophthalmicus this was published in ophthalmology recently and that amongst Medicare beneficiaries, um, less than 10% that were eligible for the vaccine were actually getting the second dose. They obviously weren't taking a poll at, at Century Village. <laughs> <laughs> so about people that get shingles, they get the herpes zoster, about 50% it affects the trunk. 
and about 20% it affects the, the uh, cranial nerves. And out of those 20% that affects the cranials, 50% will affect the trigeminal nerve. So yeah. talk to us, the patients come in and they have zoster and now it's affecting their eyes. What do we need to look for? How serious is it? Is it usually less serious than simplex or equal or more serious than herpes simplex infection? Serious, more serious than herpes simplex infection. More serious. Um, first of all, let's talk about the patient who's immunocompromised. So if a patient, uh, you know, you know from their history that they're immunocompromised either from cancer um, or HIV AIDS, and they have herpes zoster ophthalmicus, you need to treat this more aggressively because now you're treating it as herpes virus affecting the central nervous system. So you can't treat this patient that's immunocompromised with just an oral antiviral. This patient that has herpes virus disease and is immunocompromised needs to receive intravenous IV treatment for the herpes virus because they're at higher risk of having more serious complications because of your um, weakened immune system. This disease is more serious even in immunocompetent people because herpes zoster ophthalmicus can cause, has a higher incidence of having um, neurotrophic keratitis. And neurotrophic keratitis, um, if not treated, you know, identified or treated correctly can cause uh, a lot of bad problems uh, with their cornea and their vision. And, it's, and then once a patient develops bad corneal disease from herpes zoster, for example, permanent scarring or an ulceration, and the patient has lost a lot of vision, these are the patients that are not good candidates for corneal transplantation, meaning that with a corneal transplant that's clear, they're, they, they don't do as well. They have a lot of complications after any surgery because their eye is very neurotrophic. Their eye does not feel pain. The corneal nerves are just not good. They're not effective. They're not working as hard. You need corneal nerves for a healthy ocular surface. And that's what's missing in patients with bad uh, herpes zoster ophthalmicus. The neurotrophic keratitis does a lot of bad things to the corneal nerves. And as you, as a corneal specialist, now what you're in that position, how do you, how do you approach that? So um, I can tell you, uh, uh, I can go over a case I had. Sure. A patient, a patient that I treated who had um, Caucasian male in his 60s um, with a history of diabetes that came in with a herpes zoster ophthalmicus. He had a very, you know, uh, high grade uh, den uh, vesicular rash on his face. And he started off with dendrites in his cornea. I treated him with the treatment dose of valcyclovir, Valtrex, for about two weeks. I followed the dendrite. But it did, that dendrite, even with the antiviral, progressed to a geographic ulcer. And, and he had a Mackey, Mackey stage three classification with ulceration of his stroma. What I did in this patient is that I put a, a Procara amniotic membrane. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Procara amniotic ah, membrane. Sure, it's, sure. A, it's a PMMA ring that uh, gets inserted in the fornix and it has amniotic membrane. And this was done to reduce inflammation and promote healing. Um, when I saw him the next time, guess what happened? 
even with the Procara ring, once I removed it, his cornea perforated, Carrie. Oh my goodness. This patient had a flat anterior chamber with a corneal perforation and he's sitting right in front of me. All of this because of bad herpes zoster. Wow. And, and he was treated the right way. So in this emergency setting, what we did was that we, we put glue on the patient's cornea, cyanoacrylic glue, and a bandaged contact lens. So once you glue a cornea to cover a perforation, you need to put a bandaged contact lens over it so that the contact lens protects the glue from the lid and it doesn't slough it off or remove it. We did this and treated him with prophylactic antibiotic to prevent endophthalmitis or an infection. While we were doing this, I ordered Oxervate for this patient. Oxervate is the recently FDA approved medication um, for neurotrophic keratitis. So we ordered Oxervate, it was approved, and he started using the Oxervate even when he had that bandaged contact lens on with the glue. He did the full Oxervate course for about eight weeks. And after removal of that contact lens, his corneal ulcer resolved. He was left with a scar in his cornea, hmm. but that perforation went away and the scarring got better with the corneal glue and the observate. So we treated his neurotrophic disease and he's actually doing well. He developed a cataract and we were able to do the cataract surgery on him through a clear cornea incision. And right now he's seeing about 2060 uncorrected, which wow. is very amazing. Wow, that, that, that is a great case. And that's a scary case. It is a very scary case, yes. This is what you don't want to see. So in any patient with herpes zoster, um, what you want to do is um, you, can you can bring some um, dental floss from your home. You can have a, a small strip of dental floss and you can just, without anesthetic, without preparacane or tetracaine, if they've had herpes zoster, you want to touch your cornea with a clean dental floss in all four quadrants and measure corneal sensation and ask them if they feel it. If they don't feel the dental floss or a cotton tip applicator, you know that that patient is neurotrophic and cornea has less corneal nerves. And so you, you always know, test with corneal sensation in these patients. So at the beginning stage where they where you test them and they don't have any sensation, but they're not having any issues yet, what do you do then? You can do um, aggressive lubrication, preservative-free artificial tears, as you know, if you're going to treat somebody with artificial tears more than four times a day, those should be without preservatives because the, because the preservatives and artificial tears can cause toxicity if they're used very often. So preservative-free artificial tears, punctal plugs is an option, serum tears is an option. You can order serum tears through um, Vital Tears. Um, that's one of the many companies that's out there. Vital Tears works with Eversight and um, they'll send a phlebotomist to the patient's house draw the blood, and then they'll send the serum tears to their house. They'll do all the work from the comfort of your own home. So vital tears, artificial tears, ointments uh, can be used at that early stage. Even though Oxivite is supposed to be used at a later stage, would you use it at an early stage? You can use, you can use Oxivate uh, at any stage of neurotrophic disease. Oxivate However, uh, requires a lot of work with their um, in, with the patient's insurance company because it is very expensive. It costs about, um, I believe, it's about seventy thousand uh, dollars per month. Well, so that's that's something that a lot of patients can't afford. So um, Pompeii, 
Dompay works works really closely with the patient's insurance to make sure that they can get the medication. And how about Zeds, the uh, Zoster eye disease study uh, that's ongoing yeah. uh, using uh, uh, Valtrex prophylactically? The the um, Z study, Z-E-D-S study, is currently a, is a phase four um, clinical trial that's ongoing, and it's looking at the effectiveness of valcyclovir, Valtrex, um, as a prophylaxis to reduce the recurrence of stromal keratitis and the zetting of uh, herpes zoster. Um, we're still waiting for those results. Now, something that's very important is that these zoster patients have to be treated within the first 48 hours, but some people get like a prodrome. They get a burning before they start getting the rash. If you could speak a little bit about that, uh, you know, to the patients out there that may be listening, that if they're starting to get that, that weird type of skin burning. Yeah, it's a neuralgia. And that's the neuralgia, that uh, dermatome feeling. Remember, the, the virus is affecting the trigeminal nerve in the first or second division. Very importantly, if you see uh, the vesicles also affecting the nose, that's called the Hutchinson sign and that increases the risk of ocular involvement. Um, but yes, that sensation, that neuralgia is something that can happen before the, before the infection is developed in the face. And also the neuralgia can still persist afterwards. Um, after you've been treating them with antivirals, they can still have that persistent neuralgia, which is like a headache. And that's one of the bad, um, you know, bad consequences or sequela of a herpes zoster infection. I know you have to go because you have surgeries. I want to ask you this one last question. If you could just go over the dosage again for zoster. So for herpes zoster, um, first line treatment is Valtrex one gram three times a day. One gram three times a day of valcyclovir for 10 to 14 days. And once you finish those 14 days, you don't need to continue treatment beyond that with valcyclovir unless they develop stromal disease, unless they develop stromal disease. So if no stromal disease is present, treat for 14 days and that's it. Um, acyclovir would be um, uh, 800 milligrams five times a day for 14 days. And if you're treating for stromal disease, uh, for prophylaxis, uh, it would be 800 milligrams uh, twice a day. Now, if they have epithelial disease and they're already being treated by their, you know, by yeah. their primary, and they come in and they have epithelial disease, you, you keep on treating for the, you keep on treating for those 10 to 14 days for epithelial disease, and then you can stop. Would you use a steroid antibiotic on top of that? No, don't use don't don't use a steroid in the setting of a new epithelial defect. Stick with a Stick with an antibiotic, uh, moxifloxacin or ofloxacin, uh, to give yourself some extra coverage uh, for the epithelial defect. But don't treat with a steroid yet, unless the epithelial defect closes and you're developing some haze in the cornea. If you're starting to develop some haze, you can often see a ghost dendrite underneath that dendrite that resolved, a ghost dendrite, and you want to try to, and it's in the central visual axis, then you might want to uh, add a little bit of a steroid. Uh, to reduce some of that stromal opacity, but you know, definitely wait a little bit after those 14 days to start treating with the steroid. Well, I appreciate that. I, I want to thank Dr. Montenegro for joining me today. Uh, people want to find out more about you and get in touch with you. How could they do that? Yeah, of course. Um, my email is a uh, uh, best way, a very good way to reach me. My email is 
D as in Daniel, that's my first name, Montenegro, my spell, my last name, if you spell it out, D Montenegro at myicenters.com. D Montenegro at myicenters.com. And is there anything that I left out that you want to tell the audience before we let you go? Um, all of those out there who are uh, primary care providers, you know, op optometrists, ophthalmologists, primary care doctors, ask all your patients 50 and older about uh, vaccination against uh, herpes zoster. And if those patients have not been vaccinated, tell them that they definitely should. Um, it'll, you know, make a big difference for them and also for us in our clinics. I want to thank Dr. Daniel Montenegro for joining me today. You're a wealth of information. Thank you for sharing all that information with us. This is Dr. Kerry Gelb for Open Your Eyes. Thank you for joining thank you, us. Kerry. The All Eyes Visual Hall VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacU Health with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEBroadcasting.com and sign up today. Each generation was supposed to be healthier than the last one. Lifespan was supposed to be increasing. We were supposed to be in this paradise by now. Instead of getting healthier and healthier, it seems to have gone the opposite way. Millennials were projected to be the first generation in history to not outlive the generation before them. We are certainly headed for disaster. I think a lot of people are beginning to question the whole story. We live in a time where the paradigms are shifting. And the optometrist, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets. The public doesn't realize about going to the eye doctor. So many different diseases actually manifest in the eye. The back of the eye is the only place in the body that you could actually see the blood vessels. Completely non-invasively, you can screen thousands of people, not just for their eye health, but for their whole body health. Because this disease is here, it's also gonna be here. And I can look into the back of my eyeball and there are expert doctors on the ground who are looking at my eyeball while I'm doing it. The eye is the canary of the mind. The eye is the kingdom. Will everyone please 
Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.